Good morning, good morning. You are listening to The Mixtape, your essential addition to the never-ending road trip that is parenthood. Presented by The Parent Trip, produced and created by us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Fuller, your mermaid-haired lactation friend. And I'm Olivia Spitzer, the loudest labor doula you've ever met. And together, we're here to talk all things growing and maintaining small humans. Because parenting is a trip. So buckle up, and here we go. are going to talk about, for lack of a better term, but of terminology. <laughs> um, we didn't really find like a good word to, to capture exactly what we wanted to talk about, but basically, uh, Sarah and I both feel very strongly that words have power, and um, we try and be really intentional with the words that we use in our practices and when talking to parents. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk about the words that we definitely don't use and the words that we do use. That sound right? Yeah. Cool. Um, I, think, I think that the easiest one for us to start with um, <clears throat> is the word parent, right? Because yes, from the very beginning, when you and I were talking about a parent trip and like, what do we call this thing? And going down all of those rabbit holes of all the different names of conventions out there or health fairs like it's mama this and mommy that and and you know that's great for some people but I feel like that was not where we were at yeah um and so for us it was like parent like we definitely want this to be inclusive of every single person who identifies as a parent or wants to be a parent yeah totally and I think you know we um we understand the reasons for more uh exclusive like groupings the reasons for you might want to be in a mom's group or the reasons why you might want to talk to a dad's group that totally makes sense but the goal of our event was always to provide all the resources to all the people um so it was just kind of a no-brainer for us to go with parents and i think that extends to the way that we talk about our clients as well especially on social media So, um, I don't ever, when I'm posting my Tuesday tips, I don't ever talk about like, this is what you do for mama, or this is what you do for the mom. I'm always saying the birthing parent, the birthing person, the laboring parent, um, that kind of thing. And I think you do something similar. Yeah. I mean, I often, you know, talk about who's feeding baby. Um, you know, it's less about like the person with the boobs because that might not even be the case, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, which maybe segues really well into that kind of terminology that I that I would have brought up is um, there's a lot of movement around switching breastfeeding to chest feeding, um, which I'm not against that. Uh, there are definitely people who don't identify as having breasts and who um, are triggered by you know using the word breast in relation to their body, and I think that that's fine and if chest feeding works for them I will happily use it <clears throat> but as for me in my practice like on a just like a day-to-day basis I tend to lean into more of referring to lactation and nursing because to me those terms feel so much broader um, yeah. and identify you as you're a person with a chest this is breast like it, it just like encompasses everybody and that's something that's big for me is like whoever you are whatever you do feeding people I got you you know yeah. um it gets a little confusing because nursing for breast milk and for human milk, which is another one. Um, and then nursing as in like a nurse at a hospital, like, like, especially if you're Googling terms and stuff like that gets a little, oh, yeah. 
confusing. Um, but I do like nursing a lot. Like lactation feels pretty clinical. Mm -hmm. Um, and not everybody always, you know, if someone hasn't read the books or anything, not everyone clicks with the word lactation right away on what that even is. Yeah. So I like nursing a lot, but it does get a little, a little complicated. Yeah, definitely a little confusing. Um, I think similarly for both, um, I like to talk about when I meet with, um, new parents who are looking to work with a doula, something that I always send in my introductory emails. I'm like, uh, I'd love to set up a time to meet with you and just make sure that we all click. And if you are partnered, I'd love for your partner to join us. And that's something that I use a lot is the word partner. Um, I definitely, I am a heterosexual woman. I'm married to a heterosexual man and cis all the way around. Um, but when we were uh, engaged, I hated the word fiance. I just like, I didn't like using it. I didn't like it when people referred to each other as that. Um, it felt like to me, like I was just constantly asking people to congratulate me. Like if I was like, <laughs> my fiance, I'd be like, oh my God, congratulations. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, no, oh, no. Um, oh, and the next is, let me see the ring. You know, like it's a whole, it's yes. a whole conversation. Yeah, totally. Which I just didn't even want to open. Like I didn't want to do it. So, uh, David and I have been together for five years before we got engaged. So he was my partner for a long time and he just kept being my partner. Like he's still my partner. I refer to him as my husband, but also my partner. And I don't think that it means anything other than that we're partner. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I'm a big fan of using that word. And I always ask, uh, in interview setups that I'm like, if you are partnered, I would love to meet your partner, whoever that is. And it could be the person who is parenting with you, it could be just your birth partner. Like maybe your sister is going to come and help you have your baby and they're your partner for this. They're not going to be raising the baby with you. They're not going to be living in your house, but they are going to be the person in the room with you on the day. And I would love to talk to them. That's a good call. Yeah. I have <clears throat> intake paperwork because most of the time I'm talking to, most of the time I'm talking to the parent who's struggling with nursing. Um, like in the intake, just like phone call or email. Um, and then we set up an appointment, I, they get an intake form that they fill online and I have a line for partner or like who else will be in the house during the appointment kind of thing. Who would you like to be in the room? Um, I also have pronouns on there. Oh. About language. Um, and I even have pronouns for a baby on there. Um, because I don't want to assume there are definitely some people, especially us living here in Portland. I think it's more common than a lot of other places that some people don't want to gender their babies right away. Mm -hmm. um, so I have pronouns on there because I want to respect where people are at. And it just takes a little bit of work to use the correct pronouns. Um, and really, like, just a tip for other people that are struggling with that, because it is, it's a struggle. Like, it, it takes rewiring your brain to just, like, use their name a lot. You don't always have to use a pronoun like you can get really personal and like really internalize their name and that makes it a lot easier yeah yeah that's a great tip thank you sarah yeah um do you want to do another word or should i do another word go for it um okay so the next one is one that sarah's heard me talk about a lot i think everyone's heard me talk about a lot is um the term natural birth um i don't like it. <laughs> this is the one that, like, this episode couldn't exist without. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So typically the way that it comes up is uh, someone sends an inquiry to me. They're like, hey, I think I want to use a doula. I'm really going for a natural birth. So I'm like, okay, clocked, check. So then we get to an interview and uh, I do my little spiel. They ask me their questions. And then I'm like, tell me what you're hoping for out of a doula experience. And they're like, well, I really want a natural birth. And usually what I just say is I'm like, so I would love to talk more about what you mean by natural birth because the word doesn't actually mean very much. Like you are, your body is doing the work of creating and building and carrying this baby. And all of that is supernatural. And the work of the baby coming out of your body will all be natural. So tell me more. Like, are you looking for a vaginal birth? Are you looking for an unmedicated birth? Or what do you, what do you want when you say, I want a natural birth? And I think that part of the use of this term has come from our society's problem with the word vaginal, right? Like people don't want to sit in a coffee shop and talk to a stranger who they've never met and say, I want this to happen out of my vagina. Um, <laughs> I just don't think they do. And the bummer thing about it is that, and this is the way a lot of oppressive aspects of our society work, is that by being afraid of saying the word vaginal, we go for the word natural, which has an intonation of judgment with it, right? Because what's the opposite of natural? It's unnatural. And no birth is unnatural. If you deliver your baby, if you have a belly birth and you deliver your baby via cesarean, that's not unnatural. You grew that baby, that baby came out of your body. That's, that's what we're looking for. Um, so... Yeah, I just, I really, I can't get behind the wording. And, you know, there's like a lot of businesses that focus on that term. They want to latch on to people's interest in it. So there's like the mama natural mm -hmm. pregnancy book, and there's the this and the that. And, um, ugh, 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 for me, I, yeah, it's, ugh, it's just, it's my least favorite. <laughs> um, so yes, when when I'm talking about birth, I like to use terms like, and I'll just jump into my next one too, just rolling on it, but I like to use vaginal, I like to use cesarean birth or belly birth, um, I like to use unmedicated, I like to use, um, you know, like medically assisted. All of these things are accurate, none of them contain judgment, and they're all just tools that exist to get your baby from in here to out here, right? And that's, that's what we want. Yeah. So want to hear yeah so well and and it just feeds into this whole guilt culture that we have right like we this is how you are supposed to birth a baby this is how you're supposed to feed your baby this is how you're supposed to i mean just tick off the list like yeah um oh man one that i don't actually think is worth discussion here but i thought of was sleep like a baby oh yeah oh like, man going through three babies and i was just like screw that like that is so much bullshit we're just talking about not being heteronormative but it's all the memes that are like sleep like a husband is what it should be called <laughs> so babies don't sleep i yeah. will say though i have seen a lot of really amazing wonderful supporting parents like husbands um because when the parent the okay so say we're in a heteronormative relationship here you got the woman breastfeeding and the husband, and he's like, well, well what, what can I do? Right? Like, there's almost, like, this power exchange. And um, I've seen some really amazing, like, wonderful partners step up and be like, I'm going to get up with you, and I'm going to bring you water, and, like, maybe I'll bring baby to you, and then I'll put baby back, and all you have to do is feed. Like, there's been some pretty amazing shift, I think, in the, in the dynamic. Yeah. 
And I think also one of my favorite things is if you're a family where bottle feeding is a part of your plan or your journey, whether it's exclusively or non, like if you're breastfeeding and bottle feeding at one point, um, I love the families that give the non-feeding parent the opportunity to bond solo with their baby. Because I mean, I've fed so many babies via a bottle and then yeah. the look of love that they give you while you're feeding them. Um, oh my God. It's, it's like, I Hi, it's just like straight to the babies, like let's go. Um, mm-hmm. so I love when non feeding parents get the opportunity to not be like, you know, not the kind of thing where they're like, oh, I'll just take the bottle and feed the baby, but like a very set aside that early morning feeding at 5 a.m. I'll get up, I'll prep the bottle, I'll feed the baby. This will be our time together, just me and baby, you know, sitting at the chair in front of the window, and I get to like see the sun come up and watch the birds and talk to the baby about the birds. Or, when it's like intentionally set aside time that serves both parents and the baby, baby's getting fed, getting loved, parents getting this bonding time, and the feeding person gets to sleep. Like that's just mm, that's fun. All right, should I do one of mine? Yeah. Um. Okay. Start a family. Oh, are we getting our drinks? Hold on. <laughs> I just wanted. I should have drinks. Uh, oh, family. Yeah. Because, like, how hard is that on, on, like, you know, to not acknowledge that a couple, like, the two people or whatever that relationship looks like is the family already? Yeah. Um, and that somehow adding a baby or um, other aged children to the mix makes it like a legitimate family all of a sudden. Um, yeah. So, like, I think in some ways it almost circles back, right, to it being the parent trip, not the family trip. Like yeah, our, our journey as you and I in this event and this blog is all very specific to the parenting experience, but family is not is not exclusive to parenting, you know. So that's yeah. something that I really uh, I didn't realize it until someone said it. You know, it's not like it was intentional exclusion, uh, but once I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband often we are childless. Um, at the moment, and uh, and we, my husband, often when we get into bed at night, and it's me and him and the dog that just scooted on out of here. David's often like, "Our whole family's together," and it's true. Like that is that is our family. That is our family unit. That's who lives here. That's who quarantines together. Whoa! <laughs> no, that's a great one. I love that one, and I also feel like we use that um when we're talking about the parent trip. We talk about how it's an event for growing family. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think I used all of mine. Do you well, have more to talk about? I mean, we kind of touched on them. You like you touched on the birthing parent, right? Like, um, and I feel like I like that better. You can tell me what you think. Um, I think I like it better than gestational parent. Mm. Do you have thoughts on the differences? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Gestational feels a little clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's similar with, uh, when you said gestational parent, the first thing I thought of, which is not a connected word at all, but the first thing I thought of was the term geriatric pregnancy. Try it. Loathe. That's a whole, whole nother yeah. one. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a different episode guys. So if you're following it, being like, <laughs> what is, I will tell you what geriatric pregnancy is. So you don't have to Google it. And then we're not going to talk about it anymore. Um, geriatric pregnancy is a person who is having a baby over the age of 
incredibly old, 35. So my preferred term for that, if we are going to talk about it clinically, is it's AMA, which is advanced maternal age. It's a little bit better. It doesn't involve the word geriatric for someone <laughs> Thirty-six, um, but I don't love any of that anyway. But anyway, gestational parent made me think of geriatric pregnancy, which is just <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I like I like birthing parent. Um, I also touched the other thing on my list that I had put down was um, human milk, which I already kind of oh yeah. One. Um, I mean it's. I think it's going to take a long time for that one to catch on. And I don't know if it'll end up being that exact term. Like maybe we'll end up with something completely different. Um, I know that a lot of folks are trying to move away from breast milk. Um, but there is this need to differentiate between human milk and formula um, and whatever else is being fed. Like some people, um, you know, use goat's milk or whatever. And so it's important to be able to differentiate especially when you're getting care. So you need yeah. to have a term for it. You can't just say, well, I fed the baby milk and like assume that that means no right. Um So there is a need for a term to distinguish them, but um, yeah. So I don't feel like human milk is really catching, but maybe it will. I mean, personally, I'm a huge fan of the word human. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just am. Like, I love, I, we were, you and I, I was trying to remember who was there, but Ashley was there too. Um, uh, so that's why I got confused. Uh, but we were at a networking event once where we had to go around in a circle and say what work we do. And I said, I'm a doula, which means I help humans have humans. And that is like the the end piece. Like that is it. That's at its bottom layer. You know, like you're a human who's growing a human. Let's get that human out of this human, right? Like I love, I love the words humanity. I love humans. So like I, I will vote for human milk. All right. Well, I'm a lactation consultant. I help humans be human. There you go. Tiny humans, generally. Yeah. <laughs> no judgment, though. <laughs> That's a whole nother subreddit. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I ask you, have you had somebody reach out to you about that? No. Um, and I guess I should briefly mention what that is since we're just like sitting around it. Uh, Olivia, Olivia is referring to adults who uh, suckle for sexual pleasure, uh, which is a thing. That is what I'm talking about. And there, there's a whole, so be careful when you Google. This is why you should be scared of Dr. Google, because while that might be great for some people, you may not want to see it. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you ever watch The Boys on Amazon Prime? I have not. Is it good? Okay, well, there's a character in it who um, that was for sexual pleasure. And, Interesting. Yeah, it's like, you know, Amazon Prime. Here it is, 2020. Welcome to huh. new reality. Oh, man. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, so one of my like big passions, right, is inducing lactation. Um, so bringing on milk outside of like if you haven't birthed a baby. Um, and I have done a lot of Googling trying to find people's experiences because it's a fairly new phenomenon, at least being written about. Yeah. Um, and so I have done so many extensive Google searches, like trying to find people's stories. And I have, I have run into a lot of <laughs> don't actually help. Well, because that's the thing, like it does in some ways help because what works for them 
is still going to potentially help me figure out how the body works and how we can make this an easier thing, right? So it's like, as long as I can turn off this, like, well, this doesn't work for me, but it's information. Yeah, yeah. There it is. We're all on the same team. We're all trying to figure out how to make stuff happen. We're trying to make this life a, a, a nice thing to be in. We're all on the human team. The human team! Can we make human team shirts? What'd you say? Can we make human team shirts? <laughs> Just you and me. We don't have to sell them. The human team. I don't know. I think I would wear one of those shirts. I think you would. Yeah. I would. Yeah. On it. <laughs> the human team needs some help these days. Yeah. Um, do you have any other words that we should hit on before we go? Um, the only other thing that I put on here goes back to the pronouns thing. Um, this is something that I learned in my, I did some different trainings over the last year. Um, and so it's really common these days for folks to be like, Hey, what's your preferred pronoun? Mm. Um, and I heard it. I heard it. That was a trick question and I heard it. <laughs> Um, which is, it's great because it tells you that someone cares, right? They care about your pronouns. They want to, um, recognize them. They want to respect you, um, and who you are, but the word preferred needs to be dropped because it is, it's this like assumption then it's underlying. No one's actually thinking it. I don't think but right. it's this underlying, like you chose this versus yeah. you wanted this. So yeah. That was the only other thing that was kind of, we already kind of touched on pronouns, but that was that preferred pronoun piece. Yeah. And we could do a whole other episode on pronouns. Um, and maybe we should, maybe we should add that to the list. But the thing that um, I would just add to that is that the training that I took that, that identified, please don't use the term preferred pronouns, talked about the fact that um, if you are a cis person, if you present to the world with the pronouns that can be assumed to you and those are accurate for you. Um, then uh, some people feel like they don't have the need to put the pronouns on things, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I am a cis woman. If you looked at me, you would assume to use the terms she, her. Why do mm -hmm. I have to put them out there on my business cards, on my Instagram? Why do I need to say them? Because the assumption is correct. And, uh, the thing that I got from this training was that by putting your pronouns out there, you are opening the door for someone else to feel like they can tell you their pronouns. They know that you care about that and that that's important to you. And, um, yeah, that was just for me, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to seem to be like bogarting something, right? Like right. this is my, I'm, I'm a cis hetero woman. I'm not a part of queer culture. I don't want to seem like, why is she putting her pronouns on stuff, you know? But hearing that piece of information, I was like, yes, I want people to feel open to talk to me. Mm -hmm. So here they go. I'm putting them everywhere. I'm Olivia. Well, she, her. Sarah, she, her. Uh, I think normalizing it, too. Like, the more people that get an email with a pronoun at the bottom um, with their signature, like, the more that's just not going to register as a strange thing, right? Like, maybe yeah. they aren't super open to pronoun differences or maybe they would never even consider putting it in theirs, but the more they see it, the more it just like worms in there. Right. And it becomes like this, Oh, this is not abnormal. This doesn't change my attention to this person in any way. Yeah. So I think that's another reason. Yeah. Do that. 
Yeah. I think that's it for today. We've covered a lot of terms. Sure. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Olivia and Sarah's vocab lesson, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'll say what I guess we say at the end of all of ours, which is that if you enjoyed this video, please comment, like, subscribe. You can also go find us on Instagram, Facebook. We're on the web as www.theparentropedx.com, which I'm going to point like it's down here because maybe we'll add it. Because why wouldn't we? Um, <laughs> and we do this every other week. We just jump on, talk about what's going on, and that's it. Thanks for watching. If you love what we're up to, we hope so. And you want to hang out with us more, we like you too. Wherever you're watching or listening, you should be sure to subscribe so you'll get notified when we post something new. Be the person in the know. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Parent Trip PDF. Virtual connection is just so in these days. And if you really like us, I mean, why wouldn't you? Olivia. Okay. You can support us through our Patreon. We do resource fairs, informational panels, and our conversation series all for free, so anyone can access it. That is actually super important to us. So by joining our Patreon, you make more content possible. And make our hearts very glad. Thanks. Thanks.